All right, welcome back to the My Life Sam Radford podcast. On this episode, we have battle rapper, rapper, battle rap league owner, podcast entrepreneur in the battle rap world, and now a dog rescuer. So he's turned himself into a superhero. Today, we welcome Dirtbag Dan, a.k.a. Daniel Martinez. Thanks for being on, Dan. Hey, what's up, guys? How's everybody doing today? What's up, Sam? Yo. All right, man. So I just kind of started all off with um, your introduction to hip hop, like how you first fell in love with it, you know, like that, that one moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I, uh, oops, hill alarms for dogs. I, uh, I started rapping probably when I was like, I want to say like 14, 15 years old, but I always listened to hip hop music. I think the first tape I ever bought was uh, Parents Just Don't Understand when I was like an eight-year-old or something like that. Um, and we used to just kind of bullshit me and the, my buddy Brian and the homie Skyler, who used to do the podcast with us. We were just like freestyle about dumb shit. And then um, at some point I was like, oh, I'm pretty good at this. So I, I kept up doing it. By the time I was like 16 or 17, I was like entering rap battles and stuff. And like really battling was my first introduction to music like open mics and then open mics turned to battles. I was like certainly doing rap battles and freestyling before I had ever like even thought about writing a song or anything like that. All right. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, I'm a big fan of your music as well as your battles, but uh, let's, I, I speak on uh, to many battlers on the podcast and I've spoken about the history of it. So I just want to talk about um, your introduction because you started during the freestyle era, right? when you were battling yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so what 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 what's your like biggest uh point of view on the change in battle rap on how like i it used to be so pure and so uh innocent and now it just seems to be so wwe you know what i mean uh i guess i think like the initial form of battle rap being like freestyle and like off the top kind of limited us in a lot of ways but uh kept the nature of it more lighthearted because you weren't like doing like super it was hard to at least there were definitely people oh hey penny shut up penny hey hey penny shut up what are you doing that's my dog penny she's a sweetheart that's a great Um, that's a great uh guest we got another guest on it's good penny why are you being an ass so uh like character assassination and stuff like that was certainly harder to do when you were like coming up with stuff off the top of your head versus like having to being able to write for opponents and shit like to get inside so yeah um i think battling became more like hardcore and and like wwe-ish certainly around 2008 when we started writing rap battles like for like the first grind time events and stuff like that and but before that it was like certainly more lighthearted in the sense that you had to come up with everything off the top of your head. You were just freestyling. So um, a lot of just like jokes about appearance and shit like that. All right. Yeah. Like I, I always say, in my personal opinion, the golden era of battle rap would probably be 2011, 2012, when it was still it, it became the written format and everybody kind of congregated around the world. And you had these leagues pop up all over the world. And then a person like you became uh, international battle rapper so like i want to speak on you you grew up uh rapping in san jose where you're from 408 dirtbag dan the best rapper from the 408 um <laughs> but like w- what was it like the first time you went to another country 
Um, England was the first country we went to. And it was certainly nuts for me because I had like, I had hardly left San Jose at that point. I think we had done some shows in like LA and San Diego uh, when I was with a group called Thunder Hut when I was like 18 and 19. Um, and I was already like 25, 26 when the battling shit kicked off. Like I went to college, I stopped freestyle rapping and we started counterproductive and we were just like making music and doing shows in the area. And I was going to art school and, uh, right when I finished school, 2008 is when like the first battle rap events happened. And, um, within a year I realized I was like, Oh, they're doing this shit overseas. Uh, I could, I could definitely get the fuck out of here using this. So right off the bat, I like to try to make the connection with the don't flop guys and then set up an event. It was supposed to be meet the Saurus and it's supposed to be meet the Saurus and, um, madness that went initially and that the source actually got stopped at the airport because he said he was a rapper which was a very valuable lesson we learned right off the bat um and then it was just nuts walking around in london like full culture shock i was there for like two weeks i hated the food i hated the weather <laughs> but the people were super cool and uh i had a good time and my buddy stig of the dump uh who was like an old school freestyle battler guy makes great music he put us up that when we were out there so i was lucky enough to have like an english person take me around england and give me the whole experience you know yeah that's hilarious you say that i i visited my granddad for the first time in 2012 in england and um i remember it was the first time i had a salad with no salad dressing and he just didn't understand he's like i was trying to put garlic in his mashed potatoes he's like sam sam we don't do that but yeah it was definitely a culture shock and like some depressing ass parts if you're there during like the rainy days and stuff you go down to, like, oh black, yeah, yeah black yeah, pool was like super depressing like yeah and, but and beautiful like, uh, transportation too like getting from one part of the city to another part of the city is like just insane you have to like take four hours and 10 trains you know so <laughs> i was uh i had fun but i was really happy to get back and then I kind of made it my mission to get around the world as much as possible. So we went to Australia right away, Sweden, Philippines, um, back to Sweden, back to Australia. Like I was back to England, um, Hawaii. We, I just tried to like kind of put as many pins on the map as possible. And I think I was in the lead for a while. And then disaster passed me up around like 2014 or 15. Uh, but I was definitely the most traveled at, at some point, you know? Oh yeah, man. I, uh, he didn't mention this one. This will show how much of a fan I am. He once did a battle on mushrooms in Amsterdam or maybe Amsterdam. Yeah. Was it mushrooms? It was, it was something that yeah, was uh, magic truffles, which is magic like truffles. the legal version of, uh, psilocybin in, um, Amsterdam or in Denmark, but they're tough. It was definitely an experience. I like that's that shows you how much traveling I did too. I, I didn't even think about Denmark was another country that we went to. Um, shouts out to Malmo, Sweden. Every time we were in Malmo, we also we would take a train to Christiania, and that was super fun. Look at these idiots. What are you doing? If <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's so, three dogs uh, running around, if people are just listening, there's multiple seven. 
um, like seven. I want to actually get your perspective on something because I find um, nostalgia. People always find this funny. I spoke to Kruger about um, Pedro from Don't Flop and how much I love him as a character. And I remember yeah. you once on one of your podcasts speaking about being in Amsterdam. And you're like, uh-huh. you knew Pedro had landed because there was a picture of a nug and like a tall can of beer. And he's like, landed in damn, bruv. <laughs> yeah, dude. Pedro's the best. It was funny. I was talking to Ryan the other day because we, we were like kind of thinking about like, oh, it'd be tight if we could get uh, some of these um, like yesteryear uh, DF guys out to do rap battles with some of the bots guys. And he said Pedro. And I was like, I don't know if I can get a hold of Pedro. And he's like, oh, is Pedro a road man? And I was just fucking like laughing for 30 minutes. <laughs> but yeah, I would certainly describe Pedro as a road man. Um, he is, he is a wild dude. We had a lot of fun in Amsterdam too. Actually to be, uh, to like connect points here, um, the, the BOTZ rumbles were actually conceived. The whole idea of it, we, I came up with in Amsterdam because of the rumble that they did there with Pedro and like a few of the other dudes that were just in the audience. They were just doing like a freestyle rumble where everybody would just pass bars. And I, and like, you know, my like kind of drug addled brain in Amsterdam at like three in the morning or four in the morning at some coffee shop afterwards was like, Oh, what if we did that? And we wrote, we had like big names and everybody did minute rounds and that. And then, you know, within like a year we were doing the first BOTZ rumble. And the BOTZ rumbles are so cool. Like Dan broke it down. It's people rapping against one another, but instead of a, a one verse one or a two verse two, he was having eight people. So you had to pre- prepare about seven different people and, and try to yeah. memorize it and not, uh, like forget about it and forget your lines while you're trying to maybe think of seven different ways to freestyle against what has been said to you. So it's like a complete crazy form. I would say it's almost easier in a sense because it's really easy to come up with like uh, the first round for everybody. And then once you get to like the second and third round is when you have to start like digging deep in the bag for concepts. And if you come up with something great, sometimes it's like, you know, it's like pulling teeth, but, doing the rumble is like there's so you're you can just do two bars about this guy and two bars about this guy and two bars about this guy every round and it's only a minute so you like if you're lucky you'll get like between 16 and 24 bars out so it was just always really easy to write and uh i think anybody who's had the opportunity to do the rumble like enjoys that part of it the most that you can just get out your best bars about the other you know initially we were doing eight now we're doing six i think six is more controlled like we did eight, it was like a 45 minute long battle. You get down to like a good half an hour with uh, six people. But you definitely like, it's easier to just kind of hit everybody real good once around. You know what I mean? Like do hit everybody in a circle, but everybody takes their own approach too. So like some people will just, I when I was in the Rumble, definitely everybody had like devoted a whole round to just murdering me, which was like, I don't know why I didn't think of that <laughs> because I booked the thing. And I, for some reason, Peanut was in the Rumble. And I was like, oh, yeah, well, I'll just pick on Peanut. <laughs> I don't know. Why. <laughs> but I, it was me. I was wrong. I was the guy. And uh, everybody had at least, like, an extra eight bars about me. So there's always that. There's always, like, you look at the lineup and say, like, oh, someone might get a little more. You know what I mean? And, and we're doing one in July that's really big. And we got some big names. And huh? we're slowly kind of announcing that. And I think as we announce the names, people are going to, start to formulate who is going to be the person who gets picked on the most or, you know, who does the best. That's what was so great about um, 
uh, Dan's league uh, bots, Battle of the Zay, is he came from it as a battle rapper who was tenured in the old format and the new format. And so I feel like he was bringing new uh, forms of battling to it. Like uh, some people uh, who don't know battle rap have seen like compliment battles, which are very popular as an offset. But Dan, even though this person had already battled before, Dan put a transgender person against one of the biggest names in battle rap and gave them a platform. What was it like bringing that all together and the experience? Well, you know, like I credit where credit's due. I mean, like we, uh, Jolie's the homie. We like uh, booking battles for no shame. Uh, always good performances. And, oh, really uh, good, I really good rapper. Cool it gives a, yeah, yeah. I always thought I thought it was cool because, like, if you're, you know, uh, if we're gonna be like talking shit about any specific like person, we should everybody should be represented. You know what I mean? So, like, I always thought that having representation from like all walks of life in battle rap would just benefit everybody because then the jokes fly further. You know what I mean? Like, not that it would close things down, but it would open things up. And I think a really good example of that is Bonnie Godiva versus uh no shame you did you did two of them sorry i was speaking have... about another one my my fault i was speaking oh, no, about I the pat stay away no but that's great really you mention it but i was just saying like with the bonnie and no shame one you had bonnie saying shit that i don't think anybody would say about no shame because she's a black woman so she's like what the fuck you know what i mean i'll say whatever i want and then you had no shame saying shit about bonnie that i don't think anybody would saying about bonnie because she's like, I'm transgendered. So like, I'm everybody like, they felt like they were coming from a place where they had the license to like, take it at further. So I think like, while the Pat battle is certainly more offensive, <laughs> the Bonnie and uh, No Shame one shows like a wider range of like, what can, what you can do if everything's on the table and like at the end of the day, we're all going to like shake hands and not be offended by this shit. But like what I meant by the credit where credit's due shit is, is it was actually Pat's idea to do that battle. And um, I, you know, we just happened to be the league that were consistently booking battles for no shame at the time. And, uh, you know, there was certainly some doing on our part, but it was well worth it. Booking Pat is, is uh, he's a guy who you get your money back on as far as like eyes on the battle promotion, just, performance like he does it all so um yeah pat's idea pat came down and executed it was kind of gross <laughs> i just sit there and watch it i felt like this is a really like bad idea because like with that like representation thing right like i also you also have to keep in mind that you got pat who's like just one of the best battlers in the world and no shame who had maybe done 10 battles at that point pat like i think he was in some of the first written battles ever like the element leagues ones were like predate grind time so this is like one of the most seasoned battlers in the world one of the best performers in the world um and like ultimately he's making like a wrong point <laughs> or like some, I, I don't agree with anything he's fucking saying but he's winning the argument you know what i mean so um it was definitely like an eye-opening situation for me because I was like, oh, I created this scenario where like now like no shame's just getting bullied. <laughs> and it's like, oh well, fuck, you know. But that's that's battle rap for you. At the end of the day, like ain't nothing's gonna save you but your own skill in there. So hey well and I think on 
on no shame side, like no pun intended, she had to have balls to do that. You know what I mean? Like it was to do to, 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 cause you know what you're going against, you know, the platform he's going to put you on, you know? So kudos to her. I also think that like you put opportunity in the situation before the reality of like how much you are likely to get your ass whooped. You know what I mean? So like, um, I don't, I think at the end of the day, uh, I don't know. I don't, I'd, I'd have to, I think she goes back and forth on whether or not she like is glad she did that battle. Like some days I feel like she is. And some days she, I don't think she is at all. So, uh, you know, that's it's just, like I said, man, it's like, ain't nothing but your skill will save you in there. And nobody wants to get their ass whooped on camera. No. It's like, take it from me. Like it's happened to me before. So, uh, yeah, I, I could definitely see like being like, yeah, in retrospect, I maybe shouldn't have took that battle just based on like where my opponent was skill wise. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah. I don't think I don't I like I can't relate, man, because like I felt like I was one of the best when I was doing it. But the one battle where I really got my ass kicked was way more a matter of me not preparing properly than me like being out completely outgunned because i think when i like the shit that i had was working i just didn't have enough shit you know what i mean so uh that's different than like this a scenario where you're just outgunned all the way through and i can't think of, of any battle in my i did in my whole life where i was just getting fucking the shit kicked out of me you know what i mean are you talking about Andy Milanakis and Dirt Nasty or Charlie Clips? Which oh, one? Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. I think I was just like a judge for that. But I, I no, I that that, that just made me memorize it. But um, so Dan also makes amazing music. Like, forget me not. He is he is amazing. He uh, I interviewed Lush. who was like one of uh, I look at this certain part of battle rappers who are also rappers in the West Coast as like a weird let's say a white renaissance of death row records in a sense just like with the multifacetedness <laughs> that there was before all the crazy shit went down but so dan uh one of my favorite uh albums of his is 30s which was released in 2018 and um since then he has gone on to uh start a thing called death dealers anonymous with fellow rapper reverse live and that has it's such a cool niche uh difference in between just having a face to the music because in this sense he doesn't it's not this beard that we know from dirtbag dan it's just music and what um led you to change from just being doing the thing that everybody else is doing to trying to do something different i guess um always everybody's always like i'm always trying to do something different i was always trying to do something different like the whole fucking time but uh there do you i don't know i felt like for whatever reason, there was always this like uh, idea or like, like, I don't know, like a box I built for myself where I like, okay, this is like what you can rap about. You know what I mean? Like, this is what you, this is what's in your wheelhouse. You know what I mean? This is what people, and less about like what you know and what you've lived and more like what people will accept from you. And, uh, I think almost everything that was ever made and released under the dirtbag Dan moniker was like lived in that world was like, okay, this is what people will accept from me. And then um, that, you know, I don't want to say that got boring, but I felt like I might, might've took that as far as 
I could. And it's also like annoying to like, I go back and listen to like the shit that I put out in 2001. That's on the fucking internet still. I, I need to figure out how to get that shit off the fucking internet, but it's just, it's a dumb, it's an 18 year old kid. You don't know shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, there's like people, you get the like, watch me grow up and that's painful to like, for as you know, because it happens over the course of like five albums. <laughs> so it's like almost jarring. But uh, I was like very happy with 30s to the point where I was like, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. Like that's that's the last Dirtbag Dan album that'll ever come out. And like that's just, I did, I told as much of my fucking truth as I wanted to. And like now I don't want to do that anymore. So I like realistically, I was just, at that point when we started making music, I think we did a song called Ghost Blicky and we were just like having fun making music. And uh, Trebion, hush. And then uh, at that point, I kind of decided, I was like, you know, uh, I'm only going to make this kind of music. I'm only going to make shit that's fun. So like we would be at uh, in LA and we'd be at Chase's and we'd end up recording shit. And it would always be like in that vein, just like first off the top about fucking whatever, super fun. And Cody certainly like masterminded the Death Dealers shit. He, it was his idea. And, uh, you know, we kind of together built it from just like being like, oh, okay, we're just going to kind of make these like super dark trap songs and, and not, you know, try to be as anonymous about it as possible to the like green screen mask, like keying out our face, like kind of the whole vibe of it being like this like dirty VHS snuff flick thing that that all kind of like grew with the music. And now we're doing this shit like uh, Cody's last album and the last DDA album were produced by DJ Akoza, who's like, who was certainly the guy who was making the music that inspired the DDA shit, you know, three, four years ago. So it's kind of come full circle in the sense that, uh, you know, we went from like having an idea of what we wanted to make to like fully like we're like embedded in this scene making this music and there's a good amount of people who don't know who dirtbag dan is or that that's dirtbag dan on those songs and i think that's like probably one of the more valuable experiences i've had as a musician and so me and dan spoke last night um i had mentioned to him that i feel like uh, as as to what he just said to add on to it they're not looking at it as dirtbag dan whereas a very close uh, thing in the music industry to me is the group, the gorillas, whereas they have animations in all of their music videos and you don't even know what any of the members look like, but you just listen yeah. to it for the music and what it is. Yeah. And I think that's what like the goal is, is to get people to put the music and like the visual element of it, like the whole package in front of the idea of like, this is created by a person who that person is what is their relationship to the material like it's just like uh i don't think people watch you know tv shows and movies and they're like that guy's not a cop you know what i mean like you you're that like we suspend that kind of uh like analysis of shit when we're watching a tv show or a movie because it's like part of our role as the audience like we sit there and except that this is a police officer that's a serial killer this is the story right you know what i mean so like ultimately that's what we want to do 
with the music. It's just like put people in a position where they just have to accept what's happening versus like trying to decipher whether or not there's like a, a real element of it. And I don't know what the fuck, like that whole shit is detrimental to the, to hip hop as a whole. I mean, I think, and I think that's why like, it, there's this like idea that you're you're better off being like an actual criminal and then writing music about it than like you know having knowledge and like maybe having like lived on both sides of the line but like ultimately just devoting your life to making music and making music about shit versus like being an actual like i don't know it's like we celebrate motherfuckers getting murdered and uh, losing super talented artists at super young ages because it brings authenticity to the music. And that's, that sucks. You know what I mean? Like I would way rather like, I would, I think the world would benefit from another pop smoke album more than like fools knowing that he was a real ass dude. You know what I mean? Like, and that's, I don't know. I agree with that 100%. I'm a big hater and I'm a big like old hip hop head, even though I'm young. But I got into Juice World after he died. And Juice World to me was just phenomenal, man. Like he actually like was speaking about a lot of things that you can relate to what, no, no matter what it's like, whether it's relationship wise, addi- addiction, depression, you know what I mean? You can relate to anything. Like I always talk about Dear Mama by Tupac. He was raised in the ghetto and he's talking about a ghetto and, and like a different situation. But I looked at it as my mom being a single mother and you take certain things. And, and I think that's the biggest meaning. I'm going to forego that to before death dealers, just to mention and to like no homo dick ride, I guess. Uh, Suburbanites is one of my favorite songs by you. And it is oh, it's yeah. almost a life story, man. And, and I listen to it, even though there's certain scenarios Sorry if you hate the song. I love it. No, right? I don't. I just, I, it's like it's a good song. I just like it's not one that I like ever enjoy listening to, or I n- I never performed it. Uh, yeah. Well, it's, it's like Van- Vanessa Carlton doesn't like a thousand miles, but come on. Uh, <laughs> um, but anyway, I just want to say, like in that, because in a lot of your songs, it's a whole story. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end, and like I feel it was very vulnerable in a lot of your songs as well during that that time that you were just spewing your life and everything that was going on with it. And like that really affected me as a listener and a fan, which was really cool. I found even if you didn't I, like, you it. know what? Uh, I think that like in retrospect, like that's probably why I'm doing what I'm doing now in like every sense, not only like why the death dealers stuff is released anonymously, but why I like, pretty much stepped entirely away from social media except for uh promoting the rescue and the events related to raising funds for the rescue um why i don't do the podcast anymore why i rarely do shit like this um just because i think i i burned myself out on being like like open and honest with everybody like i just told everybody my whole fucking life uh not only like through the music but then through hours and hours of doing the podcast and then it's like people think that they know me and they don't and uh people think i owe them shit and i don't and i just got tired of that and i don't like don't want to do that anymore and well I hey i appreciate i appreciate the honesty moments, i well like i think that 
I'm I'm not saying I'm not I'm not saying I'm I'm mad that I did it or I'm I'm I guess I guess I'm happy those songs are out. I guess I'm certainly happy that I did the podcast for as long as I did. I made a lot of friends and I made a lot of friends with people I never met. And that's cool too. But there is like a line that got crossed with like what was mine and what I deserve to have privately and what everybody thinks they could talk to me about or like address or whatever. And I just got sick of that shit. And I, I definitely never want to go back to that again, you know, regardless of if I ever decide to do the podcast again, or um, if I ever release music under another moniker besides the death dealer stuff, either way, like it'll never be like just open door policy for my fucking life ever again. Like I'm just going to have my own shit now. And I think that's better. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. And you're like, I mean, like, uh, it, it's, I can understand like your perspective on that. And so like, but, um, you know, still part, part of like why I'm such a fan of you, but like that, I appreciate you telling me that because, you know, when you think you can, you put together, you formulate in your own mind, what a person is when you listen to them, whether it be yeah. a celebrity or rapper or whatever, you yeah. know? And so that just opened up a bit more, man. So like, I appreciate it. And that like, and the more you understand, you give people the more they know you. And then at some point, like when you're like, you don't fucking know me, you're wrong <laughs> and you're lying <laughs> or like, you know, you have to accept that. Like you put that shit out into the world. Like I went on tour specifically. I remember it being in Canada and people kept wanting to talk to me about Ron. And I was like, I don't want to fucking talk with strangers about my dead friend. And like, at some point I was like fucking mad about it. And I just wanted to be left alone. Like, and I would just get off the stage and fucking go to the van. Um, and that's like, that's not, I guess it's like, these fools are like, they're grieving an artist that they like have a connection to. And then they get, they have a connection to me and then I'm there. So they want to talk to me about that. So it's like, it's not fair of me to even have that uh, attitude towards it. So like I put myself in this position where I have to be uncomfortable to honor like my fans and my friend. And that's, that's a shitty position to be in. No, so for, like any, for like, sure. if, if I could not do that in the future, if I could not put myself in a position where people want to like address me about stuff that I don't want to talk about, like strangers, then, then that's kind of where I want to be with it. I think a big problem these days is people don't understand social cues. And like, if I, like to me, if I was at one of your shows, why would I, why would that be the thing I mentioned? I'd be like, Hey, I thought it was funny when you rubbed your balls on Oreos and gave them to somebody yeah, no, to battle, people... you know, like, I like, and rest in peace, Cadillac, Ron, I'll give you an instance for me. I went to, I live in Ottawa and Bender is originally from Ottawa. Rest in peace, Bender. Yeah. I went to a memorial of his at a nightclub and a few uh, KOTD members like organic went right. And rather than just being there and appreciating Bender and appreciating the music and the people who were speaking, everybody just wanted to get pictures with organic. And I was just like, yeah. that's ridiculous, man. Like, yeah. So no, I'm sorry that that happened, man. And you know what? Like that just makes me, you know, understand a bit I'm more. I'm just sorry that Bender's gone, that Ron's gone. Exactly. Gone. Like, like at the end of the day, like my, being feeling sorry for myself about it is pretty small in like the grand scheme of like how much it just sucks that 
those dudes aren't around anymore. Um, but it's, you know, I'm also like honored to like fly the flag for those dudes in a way that like, I'm, I'm very happy. I don't want people to think that I don't want to talk about my friends, like that I'm super proud to know. And like, it just like over and over again, like night after night, when you're already vulnerable because you're like away from your family on the road and like just tired and exhausted like that, maybe that wasn't the time. And maybe that was like, but it's, there certainly is a time. Like there certainly is a, a place where you can come and talk to me about Ron or PH or Bender. I'd be happy to tell you a story about them. you know what I mean? Like it's, I don't know. I don't I just think, I just think idea. you need to No, it's, and it must be tough, man, because if that's, the, the subject matter that everybody's going to bring to you. Why? That's the, to me, that's just going to spread. Like that just doesn't make sense. You know, like I can understand in a way, but you made a song about it. So they shouldn't, they can just listen to the song there. There's your perspective. You know what yeah, I mean? But like, then, yeah. That's, but like I was saying, it's like, then when you do that, you open the door for those for conversations them because you have yeah. the name on the song, but yeah, yeah, yeah just yeah. rest in peace to those guys. And all I, all I do is I want to spread the positivity. I, what my last memory of Cadillac Ron was him just spreading positivity, man. And like, just being an honest ass person and one of the coolest people, you know, like his episodes on your podcast were some of the most entertaining episodes. And, and, um, um, like, you know what, man, let's segue that into, you started a podcast when podcasts were still kind of on the up and up and it was a battle rap centric podcast hosted by a battle rapper. So the guests you were getting were phenomenal. And then you created this cast of characters. It was like a battle rap Howard Stern show. You know, and like, uh, and and I understand why you ended it. Peaky Blinders is going to have its last season. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to be yeah. watching 20 seasons of Peaky Blinders, but yeah, it, it was, it, it must be somewhat like fun to remember. I mean, there's probably agnostic and a lot of bad things around it as well, too. But no, no, it was just such a good. cool, fun era, man. Like every Wednesday night I was tuning in, you know, it was, it was like a, a tonight show almost. I have a very like positive attitude about the podcast and like, uh it was like it was super fun and when i look back on it we did like a lot of stuff first um oh yeah and i think that like a lot if you look at a lot of at least in our world the media that exists not just like podcast or like web series or whatever but like everything like the way shit is structured is a lot like a lot of it is comes from this like playbook that we like built super high, just like fucking around, never taking it seriously. Um, always never like having a direction, like, and almost like fighting, uh, like trying to like format it in a way that made it like digestible or successful. <laughs> we were just like, we just were like, like, what can, you know what? Like there was a, like, we had this like weird animosity for the fans that was like fun (laughs) you know what i mean so like when people would like want us to do something we'd always pull away from it or like do if people didn't want us to do something we'd do more of it like i don't know like on on uh on their podcast there was a there was a segment where they would get fan questions as videos and i always wanted to because i thought i had a take but i didn't send them in because 
if you're a fan, you want a reaction, but you guys just roasted the fans that were really passionate. Pretty much hilarious. Yeah. Very and- rarely. Like, there's like the Irish Rasta. There's like two people that sent in videos that were like, oh, you're cool. <laughs> like everybody else just got fucking completely destroyed. And it would be like, not just by us, but it would be like disaster there. Like, you're a piece of shit. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You know what I mean? Like, or Ron. Ron like threatening people like oh, Logan like, from Canada. Logan from <laughs> Carnales is salivating right now. Like that was, there's so many good moments, but like it, you know, it wasn't um <laughs> it wasn't ever meant to be uh successful. Like I, it's not like we didn't want more people to watch and we didn't want like people that like enjoy it, but like it was a I feel like if we're being honest, it's a lot more for us than it was for the audience. And that's kind of like been a hallmark of like everything I've done up until this point. <laughs> like my whole life has been like this endless pursuit of me just trying to like keep myself entertained and do as little like work as possible in the process. And now I'm like doing this dog rescue shit and it's 100% the opposite. <laughs> it's like hella work and uh, you have to be super thoughtful and you have to think about your actions. And like, I do want success. Like I do want this thing to grow because I know that means I'm going to save more lives. So well, yeah, let's segue that into uh, adopt my block. Uh, Dan's yeah. rescue agency for dogs. He recently mm-hmm. he he stepped down a few years ago from the podcast, and he pursued yeah. he pursued uh, what seems to be a passion project, and and it's with his wife. And yeah, yeah. I just want to speak about how that came to be, man. It's her idea for sure. I think we just like walking our dogs in the neighborhood. Uh, our dog at the point. Shit, I can't believe we have some dog. Um, we it gets cold out here. You know, nothing like there, but. Uh, you see dogs that are outside and they don't have shit or they got like a lame ass little dog house. And, you know, I mean, we're talking chihuahuas sometimes. So we're like, no, 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 we need to like just drop dog houses off for these people or like fucking collect sweaters for dogs and put them on these little chihuahuas that are in the neighborhood. And uh, that, as we were doing that, people started like surrendering dogs to us. And then we're like, okay, well we can get them rehomed and figure it out. And then, uh, you know, I don't know how it just, kind of snowballed real fast into like okay this is necessary work then like the the pandemic happened and there was nothing else to do but this um my wife who's a hairdresser couldn't work i'm not doing shows you know i mean there's no like my a lot of like what i've done my whole life has been around based around like live performances i was doing stand-up comedy too and everything just stopped just dead so we started you know going full force into the idea of making a dog rescue one of our close friends is a lawyer and she is like yeah we could drop the paperwork and have you guys like an official nonprofit, you know and this could be what you do for a living if that's what you want to do and i just like kind of everything else in my life i was just like yeah sure let's do it and it's crazy how that was only a year ago because now we're like a, a full-blown dog rescue like i was yesterday talking to you while like I dropped a puppy off in Brantwood, like an hour and a half away and then drove and I drove straight to Burger King on the east side to go pick up 
a little homeless schnauzer to go take to the vet to go get like and every day is like this every day is like someone needs help somewhere there's a dog that needs something there's a dog that needs to go meet somebody and it's just you know it's it's definitely uh taken over my entire life but i'm i'm, I'm happy about that that's awesome man it just seems like that's like it seems like that's what you were meant to do overall. You know what I mean? You said you got, were trying to do these, all these different things and you never really were completely happy with it. And, and then like, I, I don't know the way you speak about it though, is just, is so passionate because it's such a big thing to like, say, I want to do this or be like one of those people who talks like post a thing about animal cruelty, but like to do that, man, like, like it's, you're completely saving, saving lives. You know what I mean? I think what, like, like I've always been, someone who didn't put like the roadblock of I can't in front of myself as much as like other people do. Like that's why we've been able to do, we were able to do as much as we were like with, I mean, I don't, we, I never fucking was signed to a record label. I never had any like major financial backing. Like we, I traveled around the world, started my own battle rap league. You know what I mean? Like flew people in from around the world. Uh, got to you know make music on all these different like stages and all these different levels and stuff and it was all just kind of like like i was saying like i never even was taking it seriously i was really just like trying to have as much fun as possible and, and like it not work <laughs> and uh this is just now it's like i can't see myself doing anything else but this really because there's no that same kind of attitude i had towards everything else I've done where I was like, yeah, I, I love this, but I'm ultimately doing it for me. Like that doesn't exist anymore. Like I'm certainly doing this for these dogs. And that that's like, there's just a different energy behind that kind of work. Yeah, man. That's well, you know, I commend you. And if any, uh, do you guys have like a donation thing or a thing that people can send money to? Yeah, for sure. Uh, adopt my block dog is our website. Um, our Instagram is at, adopt underscore my underscore block um we we have uh, all our donation links on our social media if you're local to uh the bay area and uh you're looking for a dog we could definitely connect you um we typically work like one dog at a time and we like to focus on older and at-risk dogs but lately <laughs> we've been working a lot more than one dog at a time and sometimes it's puppies so uh I'm uh, I'm happy to place dogs with people that I know from uh, rap shit. It's happened once or twice before, and it's always good because I get to see those dogs either on social media or like at events and stuff like that. And these guys, like, I fucking love all these dogs. Like this dog, Bunny, right here. She's she got. like she's not all in the world these dogs and all these dogs so anytime i get to place a dog somewhere where i get to check in on it uh, yeah man. more often like once a year is great that's so cool and so i'm also gonna link i'm gonna link the website uh on the description for the episode um yeah. uh, i'm gonna bring it back a little more because i forgot one topic i did you got me in my giddiness in my fanboy so uh Dan also 
went from being a battle rapper to a comedian, as he mentioned. And so like, yeah. I, I always wanted to know what the transition was like, because I'm sure it's easier than somebody who's never performed in front of a crowd before, but yeah. it's probably different because the reaction is different and, and it's not, you don't have to really, you can't just rely on one person that you're focusing on, you know, like, Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Definitely way harder to write material. Um, for just like general shit that's funny to everybody than like looking at an opponent and destroying that opponent like it's so much easier when you have a focus but just in general like comedy is such a funny it's it's a funny thing it's like uh (laughs) it's it's not it's not the type of thing that you could just be like flash hella good at like rapping was one of those things like fucking just start rapping and then within a year or two be fucking amazing just because you have that like natural talent like there i mean certainly people are naturally funny and certainly people are like more gifted in their ability to communicate with an audience but like the art of going up on stage and like night after night being funny is certainly like a tenured thing like you have to have experience and you could kill it one night and like literally like 20 minutes later be at another mic and fucking just bomb <laughs> you know what i mean like and comedy was definitely one of those things i did for like i did because i haven't done it in so long like i didn't want to do a zoom comedy show I, I'm, I'm actually hosting a fucking comedy show tomorrow um there's a, a botz event here in san jose uh, Chewy is battling reverse live and then uh, at the same event later that evening there's a comedy show and I'm just going to be hosting the comedy show but uh, comedy is like one of those things where you got to do it for a long time to get good at it and anytime you think you're good you'll see somebody who's really good and you'll be reminded of how far off you are like I never felt that way with rap like I'll be battling making music like you could firmly plant the idea in your head whether it's true or not that you're just as fucking good as anybody else on the planet that does this shit and like that's certainly how i felt and feel about rap but (laughs) comedy no (laughs) it's like no i'm not even in the top fucking fifty thousand five hundred thousand it's it's so tough i'm such a fan of comedy myself so like somebody will show me a, a random new comedian or something but i compare like it mine is like Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock, Richard Pryor, yeah, and or Cat Williams, and, and so you can't, and so, and I can't, so I can't laugh at somebody who's just a, and I worked at a comedy store too, so then you just kind of you become bitter, just like in hip hop, almost, you know. <laughs> Once you do something long enough, I feel like you become, and and in my case, you know, I'm not the most oh, positive yeah. person in the world, but yeah, it's yeah. a hard, it's a hard thing to do, man, and uh, I definitely will like continue to. Oh, he, his comedy's hilarious. I'm not trying. I was just saying like regular people, but I think the understanding is what you were saying is like Dan's comedy's hilarious. And and I didn't expect, I, I didn't expect <laughs> it to like, be great, man, because I'm a hater, but I listened and I, and I liked it. I usually hate stuff these days. So that says something. I just think it's, I like, there's so, there's such a huge gap between like the level that I'm, was ever doing comedy on and like those people that you mentioned like the Chappelle's and rocks and like the the fucking legends of the game and shit um that and like i said like with rap i don't feel that way like i feel like you like you're getting some of the best bars and the best writing period from rap battles like better than anything that's in 
any like released music. And a lot of times, like the quality of music isn't determined by its popularity. You know what I mean? Like there's tons of stuff that nobody's ever heard of that is the best, you know? And like oftentimes that like that stuff stays the best among like the community of people who actually love music and never permeates to like the rest of the world who just like casually takes in music and becomes like one of those pop hits you know what i mean but with comedy it's like there's certainly like if you're that funny if you were that good like there ain't a dude who's just as good as uh you know like dave Chappelle that nobody knows about you know what i mean like everybody who is ever that funny like because you can only be that funny by being on that level like being on that pedestal and being put in that position where you have to create hours of material and shit like that like bro i'm I'm writing five ten fifteen minute sets max that's the most i ever did was like a 15 minute set i think we did 20 in colorado and it was both we were i was like crowd work half the time but yeah um dude that compared to like a 45 minute it's like there's a it's it's fucking a world apart it's like uh you know it's like playing a pickup game on the street versus like playing in the nba like yeah, that's not like I said with rap. It's not like that. It's like you could hear a dude on the street in a cipher who could be one of the best motherfuckers in the world. It's just nobody ever heard of him before. Yeah, and uh, and that's like one thing about comedy that is like I I enjoy about it is that oh I could do this forever and never be great. You know, uh, that's cool. I I that's that's fun. I'll definitely continue to work at anything that you can always work at. That's all. That's awesome. I think it just goes, goes to show your character. I'm just like, yeah, man, the podcast was amazing. Like, you guys, yeah, we didn't really want a fan base, but like, we enjoyed it for what it was. I mean, you're a great comedian. Yeah, you know, I, I like comedy, but like, I'm never that good. I love it, bro. I, I love this. So. I think I'm just getting old. And the older you get, the more like you start looking at the things with like a wiser lens. And naturally like you're just like oh yeah that's not I, it wasn't what i thought it was <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> whereas like bro for me like because i'm just like right now i'm unemployed because of covid like you, i just got a new job at a weed store and then the weed store shut down because of covid um but like uh so i started doing this podcast because i need to be creative and like i should like i showed my buddy the other day because i used to always bump your music in the kitchen i was like yo i got dirtbag dan on he's like what are you talking about? How'd you get him on? You know what I mean? Whereas like, and that's like, I I tell my girl, I tell my girl, yo, I'm giddy. You know what I mean? She's like, he's just a person, Sam. He's just a fucking person, you know? But like, and then you find out like, that was the other thing too. I think people like, I've, I've definitely made a career of like letting people know how much I'm just a person and to like my own benefit or detriment. Cause you can never really be like a mythical creature. If people meet you and then you're just like oh you're just a fucking dude you know oh, what i mean bro when i That's first met story of my life i used to look at battle rappers and celebrities and i remember going to my first event once i came of age and i was like half these guys are fucking losers man and all they're doing is here. talking about battle rap, battle rap. Oh, yeah. <laughs> i don't want to talk to terrible. you about battle rap i just want to talk to you about as a genuine human being terrible terrible yeah that's this that that's that's it right there in a nutshell and that is still going on to this day oh uh, yeah you know and god god bless all the homies that are still doing it i i really i enjoyed my time um and i don't like 
I definitely don't look at it like one of those things. Like I commend people like the source who are still able to continue to like find good material and have fun battling. Um, Cause I just got to a point where I couldn't anymore. And uh, I, I do honestly think that if I tried to get in the ring with one of these like regularly seasoned battlers, like I would probably get beat in a way that never happened to me when I was in the game, you know? Yeah. But I think like, that's the thing, right? Like if there's a certain, like, you know what I mean? Nobody wants to hear a Joe Budden record anymore. You know what I mean? Like, you, like it, there's a certain time and a, and a place. But um, before before we sign off, I want to do one more thing that I think, I don't know, you might find funny, was my favorite segment you guys had on your podcast, which is what I would show mm-hmm. people who don't know battle rap at all, was the bad mm-hmm. battles of the week. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Another thing that we did, bro, like, okay, Bar Pong, that's a whole show now. Like, somebody yeah. else just has a show where they do Bar Pong. Bad battles, like, that was a whole show. <laughs> like, all these things that we did on the show just became, like, like the, the, the entire format for some other podcast. And, like, to their credit, they took our, like, not very well fleshed out idea and turned it into, like, a solid thing. Um, but I, I'd like to think that I'll get some credit. You know? The OGs, if, though, man. Bone marrow. I die, I'll probably end up outliving all of these motherfuckers, and that'll be like the biggest joke on me is that I never get the credit for all the shit I created because I lived longer than the idiots who took it from me. Bro, I have a friend who doesn't know you or anything about battle rap, and he still texts me Bone Miro here now. Or you yeah, got a shitty stuff attitude. Like stuff like that. Yeah, like, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> you, you got a shitty attitude. Yeah. I'm going to fuck you in your hospital flu. <laughs> <laughs> shouts yeah man thanks for thanks for uh giving me the time to uh, have you on man i really appreciate it it's just something i'm starting i don't know if anything will come from it but i just wanted hey, uh, to talk to people that inspire me it, you know? i will tell you i'll tell you what uh like the best combination of uh of creating content is something that like you physically enjoy the process of doing so as long as you physically enjoy the process of doing it do it and like that's what we did with the dirtbag dan show for eight years like we just i did it until i physically didn't enjoy doing it anymore so like as long as you're having fun keep them fucking coming and uh people will the energy will be felt you know what i'm saying it's the first time in my life in a while where i get butterflies in my stomach when i upload an episode so like i haven't had that happen in a long time but yeah man thank you so much for coming on please people go and look up adopt my block Please yeah. listen to Death Dealers Anonymous. Do you have anything new coming out in the future? Um, well, Cody just put out an album called uh, Soapbox Sermon. Um, it's uh, him and DJ Koza, Reverse Live DJ Koza. Uh, it's a boom bat project. It's fucking dope. Um, we're in the process of working on uh, Death Dealers Anonymous Volume 4 and another uh, DDA Exacosa project. So we'll have two more DDA projects drop before the end of this year for sure and then um when dda volume four drops like the first three death dealers anonymous projects if you look them up on youtube they're like whole movies it's like a 20 minute long play thing so uh we're gonna do another one for volume four and then we're gonna release like an hour long vh that's all of them so all right that's that's awesome yeah Yeah. and um thanks man once again really appreciate it uh definitely um, yeah, check out the dog rescue. Uh, adopt my block uh, at adopt underscore my underscore block or adopt my block dog rescue dog rescue.com. 
Yeah, and um, uh, I'm going to sign off now and say thanks to Dan. Thanks for tuning in. Next week, we have Chase Moore, super producer. So please Shout. tune into that. Yeah, man, I'm just trying to, you know, get the whole gang back together, buddy. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Enjoy.